Sweet. We're in. All right. Should we do an intro? Well, what's our what's our intro gonna be? I don't know. Do that was like our intro. Maybe each other. Yo, my name is Jacob Weber. <laughs> I don't know what else to say other than that. <laughs> you can't That's rhyme my name. It's too white. Yeah, it kind of it's like orange. I don't know. I mean, this is our first one, so maybe we should introduce ourselves. I'm Nikolai Gednov. Mm-hmm. And you are? Jacob Webber. Well, that's that, man. This is our podcast. Whoever is out there that's going to listen to this, uh, I guess we're kind of just uh, rolling with the punches, but we're going to have very deep philosophical conversation. Not completely based in bullshit. Yeah, no bullshit. Which is... Some bullshit. Yeah, some bullshit. Some bullshit. We're going to put that no bullshit barrier there and then come out with a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, no bueno. Um, We'll just like mix in kind of different things. Uh, Anthropology. um, Comes up a lot. Evolutionary biology. Mm -hmm. um, But a lot of... A lot of... uh, Yeah. Theory of the mind. Um a lot of cognitive science basically or cognitive uh yeah cognitive science that's what it is the there's a thing that my dad told me to go and get checked out it was like yeah you should really go to a cognitive behavioral therapist and i was like that is a fucking mouthful they better be able it to you know let me let me know what's wrong with myself in very eloquent ways and apparently what they do is they don't look at your trauma and say like how did that make you feel but they look at your like your knee jerk reaction and they try to fix it. Yeah. And by doing that, it fixes your entire emotion and your mood. And that kind of blew my mind. I was like, wait, so if you're you're telling me that people that have road rage only have road rage because of like the the first couple milliseconds after somebody cuts them off, not because of the act that had happened. And they're like, yeah, you can you can rewire your brain to not be like unbelievably pissed because i guess emotion comes in short bursts and then you just kind of remember how you felt like in that little time period and then if you if you fix how your body reacts to certain stimuli then you don't remember you know being really fucking pissed in one certain instance they from my understanding it's like uh, a science that addresses the the different parts of the brains because we have a part of the because that the knee jerk reaction part of the brain that's your that's the primate part of our brains the reflexive yeah exactly so that's the that's the part of our brains that we still have uh, from when we were tree swingers yeah yeah when we were living in trees and then um, I forget what the different three parts of the brain are oh there's more than three we'll have to no it's the um, I know that I I know there's more than three I wasn't it was um, concerning this it's evolutionary there were like three stages of uh of evolution in in our brain and it's like i would say it's the prefrontal cortex because that's the yeah no the prefrontal thing. cortex is is our most uh developed is in our most is the most developed part the recent development of our brain versus um, the other great apes yeah and the um the part of the brain, I don't know the term, but the one that's more closely connected to the spine, that's the one that's... The medulla oblongata? Yeah, that's the one that's... Uh, um, or maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I forget which one it is. The medulla oblongata is like right below the base of your brain, like your little brain stem thingy. It basically makes your heart beat and... Yes, your, your, so that's... Exactly, so that's the part of the brain that operates on... 
really the instinctual level hmm. um we should make a footnote to, to talk about that yeah i definitely I, I do want to look that up you want funny thing i how i came across the word medulla oblongata there's this kanye west song completely <laughs> forgot i know which one the one with kid cuddy yeah that's the one and i couldn't i couldn't understand what this guy was kid saying Cudi in common I, that that might be the one. It's pretty recent. It was in his most recent album, I believe. It's on Kid Cudi's album. I just forget the name. It's a really good song. Yeah. It's uh, um, Poker Face. Well, it uses no. the Lady Gaga's Poker Face song. Nope. Nope? The one. Oh, okay. Never mind. There's a Medulla Oblongata uh, lyric in the verse of that song that was sung by Kanye. I believe rapped. it is called All Mine. Never mind. All mine by Kanye West. He on just Ye. likes the medulla oblongata. No, but it isn't even Kanye that says it. It's somebody else. Oh, okay. But uh, it definitely there is a, a guess. It could have been Kid Cudi. Um, but yeah, he said that, and I was like, "What does that mean? Like, what are what are those words?" Because I understood like all the little nuances of this stuff beforehand, and I felt like a genius for understanding. Like, yeah, I can I can read rap. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> Nah, it's stupid. Because I'm really bad at like listening to lyrics. I've never successfully gotten through an entire song singing for it like word for word. Like you remember well, those hard man. Well, it is, but there was like all these pictures going around that said like if somebody put a gun to your head and said start reciting a song, which one would you pick? And I literally I can't think of a, not single, a single song. One? No, there's not a single song that I can recite wow. everything. I've even fucked up on the ABCs before. I'm not even joking about that. I've gotten uh, N and M mixed up, and then I've gotten K and J mixed up because I've been practicing recently saying them backwards. So in my brain, the colors get swapped around. Throwing yourself under the bus. Yeah, man. it's bad. I have terrible... Um, it's not pattern recognition. It's like, like pattern repetition or something like that. Like I can't repeat things in terms orally. of memorization yeah i'm like i played viola for three or four years and i'm terrible fantastic actor. i was no yeah my my lines are always wrong like i'm really good improv on the spot but you tell me to memorize something fuck that i'm not gonna be able to get it done i'm actually good at memorizing line i was good at memorizing lines good at yeah. memorizing uh things that way it's it's funny because when I was younger and I was being raised Mormon, my grandma would have me read Book of Mormon verses uh, and then memorize them. And I had to, I had 30 minutes every day or every Sunday. I don't remember correctly which one it was because I had a schedule back then. Um, and I had 30 minutes to memorize this verse. And it wasn't like a timed thing. Like she'd be sitting there with a stopwatch, but... She was like, okay, you have 30 minutes, get through as much of it as you can, and just try to remember it. And I'd be like, all right, I got this, little eight-year-old me. So it'd be like, you know, two sentences or something like that. But they were two hard sentences. And sometimes the verses were really, really long, and I didn't understand what they were talking about. But I would do it. I would memorize them. And for some reason, that skill translated into, uh, like, my lexicon instead of my ability to memorize things. Wow. Because instead of it increasing like you know my memory capacity or like i can memorize anything now it really really helped me pull words out of my ass because now there's like such a larger vocabulary that i had reading that book like religiously huh. um but yeah exactly reading that book like a lot from a young age because i mean i i'd really doubt you've ever read the book of mormon but it's almost the exact same as the Bible in terms of its like use of old English. 
especially given that the what was it the not new james king james king james version that's like the the golden standard for most religions and that's what it was for us too and you can literally just take out verses from the book of mormon and throw it in the bible interesting yeah and it would merge pretty well expanded your vocabulary instead of expanding my memory well but i have that's not i mean it kind of, it, but it's still i have a fantastic memory for anything besides oral activities hmm I really can't speak on command hmm. or remember what I've said. Well, you said something, you brought something up earlier when you were like, I'm not a, you're going to say I'm not like a pattern. You're not good with patterns or something like that. And then I was like, actually, uh, that was the other thing that I was just reading recently when I was, because I'm actually very new to cognitive psychology. This is something that I, or cognitive science, not cog, well, kind of is psychology, but cognitive science, something that I'm new to. I just was reading about it this last week, and I was re I was watching a video, and learned something very very fascinating, and and that um, a lot of research from uh that has come out of cognitive science has shown that, um, well, maybe not even just cognitive science. Cause I've, I feel like I've heard this somewhere else before, uh, that we're very pattern oriented creatures, human beings. Oh, yeah. We learn through patterns like mm -hmm. almost always. That's why we're always using anecdotes, for example, or analogies, you know, mm -hmm. when we, when we, um, use a story, to explain something it's like the it's like the as if principle in acting you know that's how that's how we understand that's how we come to learn things because we can't just take something right off we can't just take something at face value and try to um understand it just through mere um with the tools of comprehension we exactly have exactly exactly that that's the perfect way of putting it that we're that's how we comprehend things yeah pattern recognition and now, i was like that's fascinating what uh what fascinates me because i'm i'm always fascinated as to our relation with the other great apes because well for one uh Raja the planet of the apes is one of the coolest <laughs> movie franchises i've watched in the last couple months i think i watched it last month i watched everything the new all ones or the old ones the new ones the old ones i had trouble getting through but the new ones Oh, it's really man. just the first old one, the original one that was good. I think all the other ones are a Pretty, little campy. Yeah, definitely. I really I hate old campy movies. I can't stand them. I'd rather sit in silence than watch those. But there are new campy movies, man. Yeah, have no, some, trust some me. crap out there. There is absolute filth coming out, <laughs> and it's coming from every direction. The, oh, man. The, the only thing is, at least I can relate to this filth, because... When they're like, you know, when you have a movie based around getting high and sitting in bed all day and all the misadventures that come with that, yeah, I get that because I've done it. And at least it's like looking in a lens to my own misfortune versus a movie about getting, you know, shit-faced wasted at prom in 1980 and just getting yelled at by all the grown-ups around you. That's, that, no, I really have no interest in that whatsoever. Because it is not relatable. If it if it's campy, it has to at least pique my interest a little bit. But uh, anyways, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. 
absolutely fucking dope. And I constantly like go back to primate, uh, like cognitive skills and stuff like that. We have traded every advantage that, uh, that chimpanzees had for tree dwelling and jungle dwelling and surviving for like, you know, long-term survival. Like, uh, you show a sequence of numbers, a pattern even to a chimpanzee for less than a second. And it can immediately, um, find that pattern on the screen. Like, you know, if you're playing memory or mummy or something like that, like chimpanzees are gods at these type of games. It's insane how quickly they can do it. And they can also like, let's say a human and a chimp remember the, the pattern that they were shown just for a little while. Right. Uh, perfectly. The chimp can input that pattern like eight times faster mm-hmm. than the human because I think it's, we have a lot of slow twitch muscle. They got a lot of fast twitch muscle so they can input things faster and they don't record things in their brain. Like we do. They have memories and such, but their, their perception of time is a lot different because they don't have these long overarching memories. They'll they're like their memories more like Ram. It just like they onload it and then it gets offloaded immediately. So they'll remember that pattern in a week. They don't even remember taking the fucking test. Yep. Which is why it's also really difficult to teach quite a few different, like, you know, faster metabolizing, or that's not a word, but apes with a faster metabolism and a faster pace of life, they don't learn sign language very well. That's why we've basically done it, like, with the orangutans and those great mountain gorillas and stuff. It's difficult to get the chimpanzees to figure it out. It's because they don't have, because their level of activity and their diet. Yeah. Those are some. Those are two key factors into the reason why they don't have the cognitive abilities to well, to, con- to to. They don't have enough. They don't have enough energy to expend on on um, learning like a language or thinking deeper. That's one thing that blew my mind when I was in school, learning about how the. I'm sure you're familiar. It's like pretty. Seems like it's. Um, now, I wouldn't say widely accepted, but it's pretty well known now that like there's a a strong uh, research out there suggesting that because of the invention of fire and therefore being able to cook our food, we have we don't have to expend so much energy and time digesting the food. It's easier, more easier to digest, and therefore there's more energy and time to for the brain to expand yeah because apes 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 like that they if you look at their diet their diet consists of just like not even vegetables it's like fucking tree bark yeah just literally like tree bark and like you know how much time it takes to digest that and like not even just digest it just to fucking break it down there's some apes i don't know what I don't know which specific one, but they, or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's most of them, but they'll spend like all day basically chewing their food. Jesus. Yeah. So that's, so think about that. Think how much energy they have to expend on that. And then like you were saying, like they're highly active creatures. So they're expending most of their energy hunting or something else, you know? So I think that those from my understanding, those are two 
big factors. Um, another really interesting one uh, for me was humans. Most animals don't sweat. Sweat is like a revolutionary thing. And that blew my mind. I was like, holy crap. Remind we, me why, because I remember this. I just don't know why. Because we were distance runners. We're built for long That's distances, right. and you have to cool yourself down. That's right. It's That's also right. why in hotter climates, you have longer appendages, because you need more surface area exactly. to radiate out more heat, which is why like most of Sub-Saharan Africa is very tall and mm-hmm. lanky. They don't like bulk really easily, versus like a German dude who's fat from the time he's born. <clears throat> Needs to preserve that, that heat, man. That caloric intake, yeah. Um but it was sweat and muscle atrophy, actually, that gave us the other little leg up to oh, becoming okay. intelligent. And that's another thing that absolutely blew my mind was that other animals don't have muscle atrophy the same way we do. You know, you, you've seen pictures of like extreme starvation in humans where they're like twigs. That doesn't exist in other animals. Like you'll see like a, like a dead carcass that's sun dried and stuff and all the water's been taken out of it. But... Now that I think about it, like I've never seen a uh, like a starving bird, or like you know a really really thin caterpillar, like that that just doesn't exist in the animal kingdom. We like organisms. Well, I guess caterpillars are a really bad thing to bring up, but organisms with uh, musculoskeletal structure they kind of just keep their muscle mass until they die. Like they they might die they might digest a little bit, but we digest a lot. Like a lot of our muscle mass, whenever there's periods of lulls or your metabolism needs to increase or, you know, different hormonal changes, it blew my mind. I thought that, you know, if you don't feed your dog, he's going to starve and get all small, but apparently they just kind of get like thinner and their muscles stay relatively the same. The survival instinct. Prioritize what's more important, our muscles or our brains. Well, brain technically is a muscle, but brain's not a muscle. I'm That's fucking the heart. with you. Take <laughs> <laughs> along. It's our intelligence muscle. Yeah. Um, Milady. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it's really it's really interesting though that uh, how we still have all those instincts within us. This is what what we're just talking about. Like this is this is the we still have primal instincts. Oh, yeah. We have um, quite a few alarm bells in the back of our head that go off for many different things. And that's why humans are generally pretty sad. Because our our instinct is like fear-based and survival-based. Because when you look at the conditions that came like you know, with our up- uprising and everything, or I guess uprising isn't really... We didn't break through an oppressor, but our claim to fame and the reason that we've made it so far is because largely we have these instincts that are fear-based and PTSD being like amongst the biggest one is one of the reasons why, you know, we're still here because we are definitely not the apex predator. I mean, geez, man, you see just, I mean chimpanzees are more lethal than us i would i'd I'd go up against like a wolf faster than a chimpanzee because those chimps they hurt 
We talked about this last vicious. time. Vicious. Vicious. Just all that fast twitch muscle. And they're little pieces of wood. I mean, like sinewy steel. It's terrifying. I would, they'll rip off your face. You know, they got like little nails and the teeth and everything. They're screaming at you. No, I'd take the wolf. Because the wolf only has one thing to kill you with. He has a mouth. He doesn't have opposable thumbs and opposable toes. I mean, geez, man, if you got four hands, <laughs> what are you, who's going to stand against You've that? already got a leg up. Yeah, exactly. So we, we definitely have the mental acuity to remember you know, after you've left the jungle, don't go back in the fucking jungle. Like, if you find a food source or just a means of living, like, you know, you figure out, oh, if I put string on stick, I can catch fish. Um, you know, those ancient cavemen, that's definitely something they remember. Watching their entire families get murdered at the hands of, like, a chimp yeah. army. Other animals wouldn't remember that. You don't see PTSD in, like, very many other intelligent creatures. Dogs, a little bit. Like, great apes and chimpanzees, yeah, because we came from them. But I've never seen a bird, like, not run into the same window twice. Like, that just... No. It doesn't happen. PTSD is a superpower. It's consciousness. Yeah. The bicameral theory of the mind. Yep. That's, uh, That's the... That's the difference between humans and everybody else. One of them. The biggest. I think it is the biggest. Our capacity for mental illness. (laughs) You don't have to be so pessimistic about it. It's 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 consciousness. That's the that's the spiritual part of um man. The thing that's always blown me away, because you know, I'm very agnostic and I'm not really appreciative of the the hocus pocus that comes with a lot of religions but the weird or the amazing thing to me is that everybody kind of arrives to the same conclusion regardless of the stimuli that you know there's something special and unique about our brains that's very difficult to recreate or nigh impossible as of now and you can't fake it or forge it from person to person i i would never be able to be like a, a good nikolai and that's why um, you know, you see in movies, like retellings of stories, like the most recent one, Christian Bale did Dick Cheney, mm-hmm. um, vice. Yeah. And everybody was raving about it. And there was like, he was a fantastic dick. Didn't get everything right, but he was a fantastic dick. And I was like, why didn't he get everything right? I mean, it, he's paid and he has like the videos and everything, but there's just so many subtle nuances, like thousands upon thousands, these stacked layers of, even if you didn't know that the. Dick Cheney profited off the Iraq war and everything like that. And like that he was this terrible person. You would see him and you wouldn't be like, he looks like he's a mall Santa Claus. Like there's just the little things that rub off physical and emotional and everything. And I don't know. It's not, there's a uniqueness to it. That's, I guess you could attribute it to spiritualism, but it's fascinating to me how nobody's gotten it right. Like there's the, there's not a single accurate portrayal of consciousness yet and everybody thinks about it all the time even when i was in like kindergarten i was like damn being alive is pretty cool i i really i wouldn't want to be not alive yeah but no uh, like everybody else shares that opinion really weird well that's the funny thing see that's that is the that is the really really funny thing to me 
when you talk to other people because because it's like you said everybody really does know this but it's forgotten mm-hmm. uh you know probably because it is it has been largely i'm not saying completely but if in terms of our past i'm not talking like recently like maybe within the last 400 500 or so years with like the advancement of the science yeah or the enlightenment um you know before that all of these theories philosophies they're all based in different spiritual practices or religious practices and obviously people a lot of people today have problems um with those practices maybe if not just one all of them and um it's like discard the philosophy it's like a lot of people uh, today it's like well look at all the bad that capitalism or western society has brought it's like yeah it brought some bad man but they capitalized on pun intended (laughs) capitalized on some good on some good philosophies like not just good like profoundly good yeah and that's part of it this is what we always talk about it's like that's the individual man there's 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 nothing more special than that because nobody can really prove that wrong everybody knows that everybody's like there's even if you match up like you just said you match up like an actor portraying someone Mm -hmm. you can get very close to it car maybe very very close maybe even ai right yeah but there's always going to be an intricacy or a nuance to an individual that will separate them there's always going to be a different class or or um or or facet facet of an archetype that that you might have or attribute you could say that will distinguish you from another person and that's the thing that people are ignoring it's like we're all it's like it's like an assumption that we're all just you know like basically blank slates like malleable people it's like no god's children (laughs) all the man slip it in slip in the the religious topic slipper (laughs) uh yeah, man, it's like we're not all malleable. No, 100%. Yeah, there's there's a lot of conversation behind nature versus nurture. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you're not going to change the inner workings, the inner machinations of somebody else's mind. And you're not going to be able to copy it either because it's not available. It's not on display. You know, the only thing that's displayed is what is supposed to be displayed. You don't know what's behind a museum until you get into the, you know, the back room and nobody's in the back room of my museum. I, I, it would literally be impossible. Like I've tried to explain to people, you know, how my mind works, why I react certain ways to certain things. And at the end of the day, they have a good approximation of me, but they don't, you know, they don't have the entirety. They don't have my, I don't know, like the crazy split personality disorder, you know, like, uh, um, other things that would let's see what's another insane mental thing that happens oh like like schizophrenia they 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 wouldn't be able to understand schizophrenia like just as it's explained because you're like oh yeah i hear voices but like obviously it's not like somebody like you you'll hear a knock at the window and then it's like oh 
my schizophrenia. Hey, come on in. It, obviously not. But it, its description isn't going to do anybody justice because they can't experience it. And until they experience it, they won't they won't be able to approximate it. And once they experience it, they're only going to be able to approximate it because everybody's individual experience is different. And I have absolutely no idea why. I mean, like, obviously we all, like, in a physical sense, you experience everything from a different standpoint. I mean, like, right now I'm on the the north end of your house facing south, and you're on the south end facing north. So you see this wall and I see that wall. I'm looking at a fantastic cowboy right behind you. Um, but we're in the same room talking about the same stuff, and we're going to get different takeaways from this conversation. Because we're like, I'm speaking to you what I think, and I'm going to get the takeaway of what you've said to me, and you're going to get the takeaway of what I've said to you. But, I mean, the microphone, its takeaway is what both of us say. So, like, why why do we not have our read and our write on at the exact same time? It's our brains are only capable of doing one or the other. And I think it's the different timing, the different timing of the reading and the writing and the different conclusions that you come to in different conversations that kind of create the nuances of your personality right and then people's reaction to your personality kind of affects it and changes it and then you know you become a more well-rounded person or you become more standoffish and then but you're a more standoffish version of all the stimuli that happened earlier so if you know you you're into a place that if you jump into a place that you have no prior footing on, like an entire culture shock, you know, you move to Korea, you're obviously going to have a different personality. But when you come back, you're not going to revert to the old one. You're just going to be a layer on to that new one. Right. It's, it's wild. I mean, there's so many different ways to affect somebody's brain and how they perceive the world. You can make, you know, left-leaning right and right-leaning left. Not... I don't know about that. I, I guarantee that there's, for every single crazy fanatic, there is a certain stimulus or trigger deep embedded in their brain that would flip the switch. No, I definitely, I, I definitely uh, agree with you. I was more or less um, half joking. You can't, you can't, um, you can't distinguish the truly radical no. type of personalities cuz they're lurking and um you'll never find out who those who those people are until it's too late or depending on what circumstance or opportunity is presented to them you know it 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 doesn't take that much for somebody to go down a path of good or a path of bad evil it's just a butterfly wing yeah and, but but you are right. I mean, it's amazing the the different ripple effects that can have on somebody, mm-hmm. just different experiences. Um, that's why it's important to be forthright and try to operate as a really really respect operating as an individual. Because that, that has impacts on others. That's exactly what you were just explaining. Yeah. That has profound impacts on others. And it impacts... When when I impact you on something, maybe I stri- strike a chord with you during this conversation or vice versa. You strike a chord on me. Then I might take 
that idea or maybe what you expressed and maybe I'll elaborate on that myself out into the world onto someone else. And let's say that, and that has a profound effect on them. And then they know, you know, other people and that ripples out and soon it turns into, you know, thousands upon thousands of people, no matter how small the impact it's like, it all affects our, our world, our worldwide culture as a humanity, uh, as humanity and, um, as a civilization, as a civilization, um, so I say humanity it? just be, just to like the world at large because mm-hmm. I I think that it it is getting more increasingly to that point with with the internet. I know that there's some countries that obviously don't have third world countries that don't have access to it, but I mean, who knows where we're gonna be with with in terms of accessibility to everybody else? Because the wealth is just increasing like mad. For last time I checked, like in uh, I think it was in in Africa. I think the U UN published a while back. Maybe not like a while back, like maybe a couple years back, like a the wealth increase in Africa, and it was like more than they predicted. You want to know why? Why? Because they have toilets now. <laughs> Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation does a lot of good. Yeah. We were talking about that last time. Yeah. About Bill Gates. Um, no, but it's crazy, man. I mean, so that's why I respect it even more. Just trying to be a forthright person. Because it really does impact a lot of people. I mean, who knows? We'll put this podcast out there and maybe someone will stumble upon it. And no, or other things. Voice. Yeah, maybe they'll be like, oh, this... this Son of a son of a gun sound uh, just sounds like he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> like brush your teeth. Yeah, mic, man. Please take a shower. Yeah, scrub uh, somewhere. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It's this is important stuff. This is pe- it's just stuff that people don't really talk about. It isn't talked about by enough people. I think the ones that do talk about it talk about it enough for the rest of us. Yeah, I, I've heard ethics professors debate, and I've read a couple, or I've I've attempted to read a few ethics pamphlets and manuals and books. And by the motiv- motivational people on YouTube, oh, the the standards, God. my man's Peterson, it, those those people, uh, um, Gary V. What's that? That's his name, right? They're historical. They they look at humanity as it has been as it is, and hopefully as it will be as we enter these new ages. They're easy to listen to. But the, I don't even know what you call them, the ethicians, the, the practicers of ethics, those people are mind-numbingly boring. And I really, really have difficulty sitting down and listening to them talk. I've never, I've never been able to sit down and listen to, not a debate, but rather a lecture on uh, different ethical... Uh, points of view when it comes to like you know uh, applicable things like business or science and stuff like that because so many of or so much of what they say is self-evident that it's like well I mean yeah you had to say it because it hasn't been said but duh like you know don't chop the arms off a off a chimpanzee to figure out what like what how many ligaments there are in between them like you know wait till they're dead first or you know find a carcass obviously but see, this is this is why 
this is why I love this is why I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peterson because he goes beyond that man it's not just yeah. it's not just that's that's just pure rational thought mm-hmm. but you just explained earlier that you know we just we just explained earlier that you know talking about the part of the brain that is just pure instinct where there isn't rational thought that goes into that so yeah. what is that and yeah there's a rational explanation for that like oh yeah that was that was a that was a part of our brain that you know stuck around as we evolved it but there's also an element there's also an an existential element to it yeah because there's a lot of unexplainable things even more than that even those even sometimes those actions because you can be co- you can be uh cognizant of it and even think that you've solved it and then you could fall off the road again and then yeah then you're in a pit of darkness and you're like whether that's depression or whatever you constitute your own individual pit of darkness and then once you're in there then you'll start to understand like fuck I'm not in control of myself and that's when nihilistic thoughts come in and what saves you from that the only remedy I've found is uh Stoicism, existentialism. Exactly. Positive. They're not positive, but more enlightening. Yeah. Then everything sucks and we're born to yeah. die. Yeah. I positive really, psychology really and, and rational thought isn't the only answer. Yeah. There's quite a few. But you have to ask the right questions as well. A lot of people hit rock bottom and they say, why me? I hate that question, man. I never once asked like, what did I do wrong? Did I punch puppies in a past life? Like, no. It's never it's never you versus the the scales of karma. You know, tip the karmic um, scale in your balance. That I've never really fallen into that path. It's more not why me, but what is this? Like, why is this here? Why am I here? Those are the whys you should be asking. Not like, why is it me? Like. Well, it's, it's it's me because I'm the only person that can experience this. I I can't experience my brother's pain, so obviously my pain is my own, and that's why I'm in this pit of despair. But uh, a lot of people, especially like um, college students and like you know like kids our age, they get sucked into this. I, I don't know, like this nihilistic but like postmodernist nihilistic like it's comedy but nothing matters like oh yeah everything's a joke because you know nothing matters so let's all just laugh and have some fun and throw away our lives and our youth and that eight old age old adage um you know youth is wasted on the young and wisdom's wasted on the old um it applies pretty heavily now because well only because uh, a lot of the wisdom the the older generations have are is subject to their own life experiences, which do not mirror ours now. And it's it's like it's dis it's not just disrespected; it's like thrown away. Yeah, you know, I I respect quite a bit of the the boomer age wisdom in things that don't relate to politics or finance, because both of those things they have no idea <laughs> about. Even like when when I was first moving out. Uh, my dad had sat me down and made a spreadsheet of everything that I was going to 
everything that I was going to be spending on. And he said, my personal, just me, not even shared, my personal monthly expenses were going to be $3,000 a month. And I was like, you are on crack. There's no <laughs> way it's going to be three. So I sat down and I looked at the spreadsheet. $150 a month for cable. I was like, dad, I haven't watched cable in eight years. I literally use Hulu and Netflix for like $4 a month Inefficient. Each. That's inefficient. Yeah, $150 for cable. Jeez, man. That's why everybody's going towards minimalism now. Man. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's the fact that I don't even like having cable. Like just having that cable box, it's ugly. I've never liked it. That giant remote, I want my TV remote. And then I want like an Xbox controller. That's the perfect setup. And we can stream anything we want. Exactly. So. And he's like, you need uh, like $300 for your phone plan. And I was like, Metro PCS has them for 25 I guarantee I can finagle something with AT&T for cheaper. Yeah. And Honestly, up, just go to like AT&T or Sprint. Yeah. You might not have the same Verizon you could save for yourself when you're a little bit more older and established. Because really the only... shit. I, I really don't like Verizon. Honestly, all the phone plans... These are the same. same. Like they're they're all basically the same. The one advantage that Verizon has is like, yeah, you will get more accessible. Like they have a more uh, coverage. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. They don't actually. It's funny. Yeah, which is why I said I I hate Verizon. Is it a lie? Or all phone companies use the same towers. Okay. There's literally no way that you cannot use a phone tower. What Verizon and all these other like telecommunications companies do is they essentially they give you like, you know, these SIM cards, little cards that say, oh, I can use these towers and you interact with the tower. You send them a ping and they're like, oh, wait, you're not a provider that I I'm okay with. You can't use me. And that's what it is. You're literally paying Verizon extra money to use other towers because Verizon has a monopoly on towers in those area. But is is that bullshit? No, I mean, it, Verizon doesn't have more coverage because coverage is uniform across the United States. It's Verizon has more open doors in terms of their towers. Like okay. they they own more of the towers, but it's like your your phone is going to use all the towers. So in the they're area just not regardless. being as clear in their speech as as to no. They're being little advantage. scamming bastards. Yeah. The FCC exactly. can suck my dick, and a G okay. pie needs to go die. <laughs> fucking, I dude, I hate telecommunications. It is such a broken industry. This is why Everybody. the Verizon guy is now the Sprint guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there's no such thing as loyalty in in telecommunications. I mean, why why should he stay? Why should he stick around? Oh, He's an actor. There's no reason he can't go and do other things. All right, but, so yeah, I'm on AT and T, and it's fine. Nice. But anyways, we were getting into yeah. the the disparities between advices. Um, uh, there was a bunch of other stuff that my dad had put. He'd put like some absurd amount for groceries and this crazy amount for gas and all this stuff. And so I like you know I went out and I did an actual field study and I was like, all right, well I'm spending about forty bucks a week on groceries and about. 40 bucks every two week on gas because I don't go very many places uh, like really long distance and my car gets good mileage. So I'm looking at all that and I come back with all these great numbers and he's like, well, this is not true. And I was like, I don't care if you think it's true or not. I'm going to live off, you know, 1500 a month instead of 3000 a month being my bills. And it has worked perfectly. And so I, that's just given me this newfound, like, man, maybe they are completely out of their minds when they're talking about 
like the economy and stuff like that. And ever since then, I've stopped uh, listening to like, you know, Fox News on terms of like the economy and stuff like that. And I don't ever take world politics uh, at face value. I go to the the world politics will tell me where there's conflict and where I need to look. And then I'll go to the, the local governments and I'll look like, you know, their pages like Australia. They're like Fox News reports on Australia all the time. I don't know why. They shouldn't. They, sh- they like there should be an international news site, but instead we have to use domestic news to hear about international news, and obviously like you know, uh, Fox doesn't care at all about climate change. They they're all like climate change deniers, and so they have all these oil rigs on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, and all these like different factories that are just dumping into the reef and killing it. And Fox is like. In other news, um, Australia celebrates its 87th year of peace. It's like, do you not see the the oceans like a bubble bath? <laughs> it's terrible. It's like, really? And then you you log into like some Australian news site, which I don't even remember the name of the one I'm using right now. But there's a bunch of them, and there's all these politicians who are trying to like you know destroy the environment and really mess life up for everybody. And um, yeah, we should re- we should listen to that, and we shouldn't listen to to our domestic news sources. But that's that's the news source that a lot of like you know the older generation listens to, and that's where they that's where they regurgitate a lot of their knowledge. And they just watch traditional news. Yeah, and they traditional just watch news cable is, news, and um, I, I I don't watch cable news. No, it's terrible. You have to like even reading stories is a little bit unreliable. Not yeah. to like really call out journalists or anything like that, but it's they're getting, pushing an agenda. Exa- it's not even like an agenda, man. It's like everybody. It's I said this the last, uh, our first attempt at a podcast, mm-hmm. and it's the it's one of the one of the best quotes I've heard in a long time, or one of the best sayings is that um, ideas have people. People don't have ideas. Mm-hmm. That's what it is, man. It's like. People are possessed by these ideas and, you know, I don't even know, like these stories for sure sell. I mean, oh, yeah, there's a reason why a lot of people will, um, I don't know, be publishing about like a lot of these um, scandals that have been coming out recently or any scandal, man. It's like it's worth it's worth uh, worth the money. Yeah, it's worth the money. Yeah. Celebrities are paid to go fuck other people. Yeah. So, I mean. Honestly, it just really just comes down to you should read whatever uh, interests you. Or I don't know if that's even right. You should read what informs you. Yeah, and I would stay away. I would stay away from just like cable news and and maybe even like. I don't know. I've been reading some stuff from like the New York Times lately. Or yeah. like within the past year, and been kind of disappointed by some of the stuff that they're even publishing. The Huffington Post is so, going. Yeah, I don't yeah, really. I don't know. Down. I just don't really read. I would say just stay away from like you know Matt, the the big big time media sources. I'm not telling you to go to the fucking like deep dark web and then read these Onion, like these the Tor browser. Yeah, just yeah. Don't. I'm not. I'm there. not advising that. But there's something to you. Because the pro- the the problem is when you get exposed to say you watch a a docu series like let's say you watch fucking Dateline NBC 
And of course, you know, they're going to give you, they're going to show you something that by all means, like it's like there, there are some problems that are out there. There are some communities, maybe certain parts of the world that are suffering, maybe uh, certain people uh, that are, that have this tremendous story of just immense suffering but we're like just feeding all these constant stories to us. And every time you watch like a devoted piece or read a devoted article to like this certain suffering, I'm saying like by a group, by a community, by an individual individual person, it's like, yeah, man, you're going to feel like shit. And then you're going to want to, unless you're, just completely sociopathic yeah yeah and that's what gets yeah off. although i have my own thoughts about that too but it, there is validity to do that most people are going to most people are going to feel like shit and then they're going to want to like yeah advocate for that do something about it this is the problem and we're just like being fed all these different stories because they sell and not only that there's some fucking pathological side to us where we just love deep down we just love suffering but that's because we're accustomed to it yeah it's because that's one of the biggest things we know we don't know happiness all that well we don't not even forget happiness we don't know security all that well we don't know comfort all that well because the amount of comfort and accessibility to, to all the resources we have now, it's given us a level of, of security that we have never had before in the history of, of, yeah. of humanity. Oh, yeah. And so this is all brand new to us. You know what's not brand new is all that shit. Even Conflict. though, you know, of course, if you get... This is, this is evolutionary theory that, we're ta- that I'm talking about now. Yeah. It's like... Well, what this we talked is, about last time, too. There's yeah, no it's like we, we know this in our heads, man. We know this in our heads, even if you grew up in a, in a sheltered, had a sheltered life growing up. It's like we all fucking know suffering, man. So that's why we eat this shit up. And then that's the problem. It's like, of course, we're going to empathize with that story. Of course, we're going to empathize with it. And then that's going to become the biggest problem. And that's the dilemma. It's like, how do we prioritize what's the thing to solve and is it that we have to prioritize things probably like for sure for politics um politics sake yeah they definitely have to prioritize what the fuck to solve because there's just a long list and it's never going to go away but i digress that's one of the that's one of the worst things about like the news man is it's just all these stories about suffering man and my mom loves to watch the news and I'll always be like, mom, my, cause my mom, she always says like, she hates movies that have like suffering in it. She'll always say like, Oh, this is, this is too dark. You know, like this is just, she loves that word too. She'll be like, this is too much suffering. And I'm like, I always joke with her. I'm like, look at what you're watching. Like you're just watching more suffering. And then she'll say to me like, She'll rationalize it. Yeah, but, you know, this is real. You know, that other stuff is is unnecessary. I'm like, yeah, mom. Well, who's to say that isn't unnecessary suffering either? Because that's exactly what you feel when you watch a story about an eight-year-old girl that just got diagnosed with leukemia. And maybe both her parents just also happen to be 
caught in a car accident and died, and now she doesn't even have any support to cure her illness. That's exactly what you feel when you watch that. This is unnecessary suffering. We have to solve it. And that's there's millions of stories out there like that. So that's a big problem with the news that I see. Whatever cracks the whip. <clears throat> yeah. That's you just need like regardless of where it comes from, there a lot of people need that crack to, you know, get up in the day. It's um, so weird that it always has to be something with like pain and suffering. Well but it's beautiful at the same time that we all like at least we all can recognize something. Well, you that, know? That's what I was saying earlier. The the thing that sets us apart is our capacity for mental illness. Is our like, you know, it I don't even think just mental illness. I think just pain. Well, no, I it, it's yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. like suffering and pain. I know that 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 was the joke. Yeah, but uh, when when I was younger, I was like twelve, and my dad finally took the the net nanny off his computer, so we were able to use YouTube. Oh, the parental cr- yeah, control thing. I hated those uh-huh. things. So I was able to use YouTube, and uh, after I'd gotten done with all the hilarious cat videos, because those were funny back in the day. Like what were, was that circa 2000, 2011, 2010. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, 2011, I'm sitting in my place in Vegas and there's, you know, there's a bunch of sunlight and it's all happy. And we had just found this new place and this gated community. And first thing I do when we get Wi-Fi installed is one of my friends sent me a video of, uh, a bunch of babies getting shot, uh, not shot, but shots like, like at the doctor's office. And oh, so, okay. Yeah. No, I'm not talking about like, you know, babies in, in Iraq just getting gunned down. <laughs> no, Jesus. No. Um, no. Uh, it, it was a bunch of babies getting shots. And, you know, they, they see the needle coming and they start to cry. And the doctor goes like, you know, it's like Jaws. It comes up and it finally pierces and all that anxiety is released and they're screaming and everything, crawling around. And their parents just recording it and posting it on the internet. And as a kid, I would, like, I would laugh. I'd be like, <laughs> fucking babies. Crying about shots. Stupid. Yeah. Idiots. Stupid babies. Yeah. I don't cry. Yeah. I got I'm a little a man. superior. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> little twelve year old Jacob, one little chest hair. <laughs> and so I I told my dad, or I was watching it, and my dad goes, like, why is there so much baby screaming? Because nobody likes the sound of like blood curdling baby no, scream. No, man. That makes you like feel really I get antsy. I want to punch something every time I hear yeah. it. Like it's bad we're like i'll be at work and some baby will not shut up and the parents won't take it outside and i'm like could you shut that thing up or like make it happy or take it somewhere because i'm going to fucking explode if i hear another yeah there's like, a reason why oh my man because babies need to be taken care of yeah yeah 100 percent. and the people who don't take care of them need to be like put down or something and then yeah. we need better like caretakers there's so many shitty parents and you wonder why there's so many bad people. It's like, we, you have to have a license to drive a car. Why don't you have a license to have a kid? Seems like raising a bad kid is far more deadly than being irresponsible behind the wheel. Yeah, well, it's having both parents around, too. There's quite a few things that come into it. Oh, no, there's... there's, there's Thousands of factors. I would say for sure having both parents around is like... Both good parents. True. Having two narcissists around is going to be much worse than a loving single mother. I don't know. I don't the Reese I I don't know specifically like Me personally, parents. I've I've looked at that that dichotomy. I've looked at studies uh concerning the jail rate amongst 
single parent, especially, um, this is amongst uh, males, mm-hmm. uh, a male that has had a single parent household, partic- household, particularly not having a father around, the percent chance of them being imprisoned is greatly higher. Oh yeah, is greatly higher, and uh, so I don't want to like say like, don't um, have a dad. I'll fucking open the jail cell door. Yeah. No. And I don't know if not. it's worse than not having a dad around is worse than having two, like you said, narcissistic parents. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that you def like having, cause that's a big thing, man. There's so many people out there that just like the baby daddy or baby mama just doesn't stick around. And it's not even, you're not getting like, you know, half the parenting if they don't stick around. Like you're getting like 10% of the parenting you need. Because not only is a single parent, like, you know, if you have if you have two or if you have a breadwinner and a housewife or the other way around, like a breadwinner and a house husband, and one of that is gone, then every single role falls on one person. And parenting often comes last because kids can survive on their own. And so when you have a childhood of survival, you really don't give a damn about ethics once you're older. And existentialism and stoicism. I guarantee, like, you know, some kid who's barely scraping by on minimum wage and doesn't have enough to feed his family, that person's never going to listen to this podcast. Because they don't have the time. They don't have, like, they don't have the surplus, the free resources. They're like like the ones that you were saying earlier. Like, those people are chewing their food all day. Like, just trying to, trying to get by. Man. It's terrible. There is still a possibility, but the chances are greatly, greatly, uh, not in their favor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. So rare there. Well, it, it's kind of like a, a, a two part thing. They're rare because for one, the, the father does have a higher likelihood of walking out or not fighting for the kids in parent court. But in the U.S. also, there's a much, a huger, uh, a much, I can't think of adjectives right now, a much larger chance that the mother will win the kids. Higher probability. Yeah, a much higher probability. And men get remarried quicker than women, especially when they have kids. So if you're with a dad, they will usually get remarried quicker and become a two-parent household faster. But, you know. Everybody hears about the horror stories of step parents and stuff. Something that I've noticed recently, especially amongst like my peers, coworkers, and everything, is a lot of people are calling their step parents their roommates. That kind of blew my mind. Um, but it's like a really common thing where essentially these kids or these people they grew up pretty quickly because of the divorce and other like situations in their life, and they started paying rent. They moved out around like twenty twenty one parents you know got remarried both of them or just one of them when the kids were like 16 or 17 not really young enough for somebody to uh, inherit the title of dad or mom especially if both of them are in the picture but just on different sides of the room so a lot of these people are getting married and you you find out that like let's say I'm trying to marry you and you have two kids uh, like I'm not going to be the parent for those two kids I'm just going to be the the wife or husband of you and that's kind of alarming to me because there's a lot of people who are just kind of growing up thinking that's normal. 
And that's the norm. And it's going to perpetuate itself, especially since the divorce rate is not slowing down at all. Um, uh, another interesting thing is uh, kids are getting married less and less today. Or not kids, but I mean like like people. Yeah. Adults are getting married less and less today. Um, for one, because, you know, a lot of them don't have jobs. So yeah. they're not going to benefit from the tax returns. Um, there's a lot of reasons like weddings are expensive marriage is good for you know taxes and tax breaks and yeah. stuff like that but it's not great in other areas and if you get separated then it's, it's even, not great it's more expensive yeah it almost it like blows all the savings out of the water um if you get divorced too quickly i mean if you have 20 years of marriage then yeah maybe not but there's a lot of stuff to look at in that regard because i mean it's not just like oh yeah if you don't have a dad, you go into fucking jail. But it's also not like, oh, if you're a, a single parent, like, you know, everything's fucked for you and your kids. There's quite a few ways out of it, and there's quite a few completely functional single-parent households. I'm sure there's a bunch of single moms in suburbia. I mean, it's like, you also have to look at where you are for the, I guess, like, the index of how likely you are to be incarcerated because of it. But... uh. Obviously, a good foundation is best, and you get the best foundation with a mother and a father, as is shown time and time again. Well, okay, that's, I I need to backtrack a little bit. You get the best foundation with two uh, parents, because there's, I I don't think there's any... Two-parent household. Yeah, because that would discriminate against uh, gays, lesbians, stuff like that, adopted people. I haven't read anything about how those people are at any disadvantage. I'm pretty sure having two dads is the same as a dad and a mom. As long as there's two parents in the household, you're chilling. Um, but I'd have to do more research on that. But I definitely don't want to be recorded on the air saying that you need a father and a mother. If you're adopted by, a, by two two gay people, that sucks. Well, I mean, you didn't specifically say that. <clears throat> Well, no, I said a father and a mother. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that you? You. You didn't before that when you're trying to clarify yourself. Mm-hmm. You didn't even specifically say that you shouldn't have a mother and a mother. No, a it's it's father. not it's not that I'm saying yeah. that you shouldn't. It's the fact that I never brought up the fact that those yeah, are but that's ridiculous good. that you even have to say it's that. It's 2019, man. man. I'm not yeah, gonna I'm not gonna take my chances. It's ridiculous. But no, the the. Uh, inferenced or like you know obviously there isn't a difference between that but as long as you have two parents in your house slightly because because women have uh, on a larger scale i'm talking like averages have um you know differences or slight differences in personality types than men Mm -hmm. tend to and, and you know you could have depending on the per person to person you could have maybe a a woman that's a little bit more stern and then she could take the role of a more of a paternal role. Yeah, exactly. There's there's definitely differences in the dynamic, but I don't think there's a difference in the quality of upbringing. I've never heard somebody say like, dude, you know, having two dads it really, really made me a dumber person. Like, no, you're obviously, you're still going to be afforded the same tools as anybody else, the same coping mechanisms. You know, as long as you're loved by those two people. They just have to be competent in their yeah, roles. Exactly. That's it. Yeah. There's a provider and then there's like, you know, a caretaker. And it doesn't matter who it is as long as those roles are fulfilled. Yeah. So yeah, as long as that's clarified, I'm good. <laughs> and rest easy. 
man. People will eat you for anything, man. Yeah, I know. I, You're I still in school. That's partly yeah. it, man. You're still That's in true. school. So um, I understand, man. When I was going to school, I was still... Um, Walking on eggshells. Yeah, and I was still more like liberally minded too, or you know, left leaning minded, and mm-hmm. kind of like accepted. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a white privileged male. I don't know. I I ate that shit up, so I kind of understand. But now that I'm out, and I guess I like just more or less think for myself and uh, understand a little bit more where my grandparents came from. I just don't buy a lot of that shit. So yeah. I don't buy that it's all in good intention, you know. No, it's definitely it's not. it's it's a lot a lot of it I think is <laughs> born out of resentment. Quite possibly. There's so many factors over such a long period of time. I mean you can if you're getting like, you know, racial, political and everything like that, there's so many races, so many different political like thoughts. And in the 20th century, we literally fought over every single one of them. <laughs> there wasn't a single ideology that was left untouched. I mean, even the Zen Buddhists got like massacred. And those those dudes, they just sit in a temple all day. So then why isn't so then why are why are people looking more back on the history of the 20th century? That's because my fucking question. It's man. not convenient enough. You really have to look. I mean, you you have to listen and you have to read and you have to ponder and there's no self-evident truths in why did we kill each other so much back then? Like, there's just so much to comprehend. It's not like, well, you know, one country was really shitty. It's like, no, we yeah, were all like, little shitheads it's back like, then. like, oh, they, they, there was a part of the world that hated Jewish people, gay people. And everyone in between. And everybody in between. And in our own country, we had complications um, towards uh, people of of browner and darker skin. It's like, not even just that, man. There's so many more complications out there. I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. But that's like, that's exactly why I'm asking you to explain it. It's like, it's bullshit, dude. That's, yeah. you just explain why it's important. Yeah. You just explain why it's important to understand. To be well informed. Yeah, man, and talk about it because we yeah. have obviously not learned it. We have not gone gone over this enough. These lessons have gone largely unnoticed. Yeah. So why why teach me in the first place? I mean, it's that is what depresses me. Not very many things make me serially sad, but thinking about all of the willful ignorance to fit their own worldview because. Back when we were younger, I didn't have a worldview, you know? Like, it wasn't... Be- before pre-politics and stuff, like, I wasn't thinking, yeah, like, what the fuck are taxes, dude? Like, I literally just played Pokemon all day, and I was completely content with that. And then all this stuff came out with, you know, like, like politics and ethics, which is something you start thinking about as you get older, because you're in charge of more things, and these different factors affect you. But a lot of people didn't have to grow up. And they decided to anyways. And then they attached onto these worldviews. I mean, you, it's part of it is when you're younger, there's a call to action. That's part of that's part of uh, growing up. You know, that's true. When you're young, you want to go out there and explore the world. And not only that, take it head on. And mm-hmm. you want to make an impact onto the world. You want to solve something that would that would have greater impact on the rest of 
humanity or maybe just your community and your society. So that's why a lot of kids just get latched on to um, activism and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, but I've read, I've read, I've read what what went wrong on the left side in the 20th century, man. So I don't, I don't buy that shit anymore, man. I don't buy that shit anymore. And a lot of people will uh, brush it off as totalitarian socialism. But I think that's just, that's like calling, that's like calling uh, what happened. <laughs> that's like calling what happened in, in Germany. That that was, to, what was that? Totalitarian nationalism or fascism? <laughs> Is that like, like seriously, there's dude? Too, there's too many factors. You can't. You can't just slap that label on it and move on. No, absolutely not, man. Because it wasn't just the le- it wasn't just the leader that let shit get to that point. No, it was a fuck ton of people. It was like everybody, all the littlest details, all the bystanders that let it happen, as well, or the people that just took part. When yeah. maybe not even noticed how they took part. Very easy to. To take part in something. That's why everybody flocks to to tribes. This is what a lot of, you know, like what Joe Rogan will talk about. You know, it's like tribalism. It's exactly what it is, man. We're, there's great benefits in tribalism. Sticking with your tribe, being associated with the group. But um, all the worst stuff happens from that. Yeah. All the worst. That's the 20th century right there. It was the thing that took us out of the jungle. But yeah, that's the thing that's going to you know keep us out of the jungle. Yeah, that's it. That's its only function. Its only purpose was yeah. to you know protect our little tribe. Yeah, but we're a global civilization now. Yeah, my my chimpanzee ancestors weren't sailing across the Atlantic. <laughs> that's for damn sure. So I don't understand why we're applying their concepts to this world. There, we should have radically different ideas. I mean, the fact that we're still arguing over free health care for all and everything like that blows my mind. Like, we should... Obviously, we want everybody to not suffer. And, I mean, medical technology hasn't advanced enough so that, you know, we have most people don't suffer. Everybody suffers a little bit in their life, medically, I mean. Like, just like, oh man, my head hurts. Like, so bad it's going to explode. But a lot of people suffer disproportionately more than others. And the the capacity for their suffering, I think, is immense. And I like doing this little mental exercise where I'll look at all the people I know that have terminal illnesses that cause them great deals of pain, both psychologically and physically. Because some people are like, wow, I'm really going to leave, like, die and leave eight kids behind. And not only that, but there's, like, you know, the other ones where it's, I feel like my skin is an anthill, this type of thing. Um, if you were to divide all of the people that experience great chronic suffering, all of their suffering amongst the population, I guarantee nobody would be happy because of how much it sucks to be certain people. There's, it's not like, you know, if you put, if you piss in a pool, you can't tell. Like, nah, the water, the pool water would turn yellow very quickly. (laughs) That's really good. Well put. (laughs) No, that's so, that is so on point, man. We just tied it back to what we, what we started this episode with, man. Yeah. You can't just, you just can't lump people together like that, man. There's too many nuances to people. There's too many different, 
categories and subcategories and sub subcategories that you fit under that make you unique to another person. This is how people, this is how there were that unsurmountable number of people sentenced to gulags, man, because there was just anything that you could throw out there and accuse somebody of. Yeah. There's just endless things, man. There's endless things. And you could do it for all sorts of reasons. For me, it's it's the bitterness and resentments. Like that's one of our biggest, most base fuels for 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 doing a lot of this stuff, for acting a lot of these these ways out towards other people when you when you tack other uh let's say put put someone into another group and say that you're the reason for the suffering in the world or well, you know my my favorite modern example is the uprising of turfs have you heard of the turf no the trans exclusionary radical feminist oh, um yeah essentially yeah. Uh, yeah 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 no they're they're prime example man because it it was i think it's one of the closest related to the you know fascism and stuff like that because it's just radical to a hilariously stupid fault no you should you should read this jacob the you gulag archipelago gulag archipelago you'll learn about that you'll the learn abridged about the version yeah because this version the original version's like 1000 to 2000 pages Jesus. long yeah this is just the meat and potatoes. This is, I'm going to do a separate podcast just myself uh, talking about this because I've actually been reading. <sighs> it's a very difficult book to read, like extremely, not just because of how um, the chapters, they're not drawn out, but the words and like what he's saying, this is the problem with Russian writers. They're so fucking dense, man. They're very dense. They're very deep. It's a pitfall of the language. I mean, Russian language true, is beautiful. True, true. And it's probably part of the, the, the translation. But I just mean yeah. in terms of like their the content matter, like what they're talking about is incredibly deep. And you're like, you have to go either read back and dissect what he what they were saying, which you could just do infinitely, by the way, or you just have to take your time slowly reading it. That's partly why I've had trouble reading it. The other part is how, number one, disturbing at times it is. Two, it's just, dude, it's like you were saying, it gets ridiculous, man. You should read it. Uh, I'm going to do my, my own episode about it because it's, I think it's the most profound book that I've ever read. Jordan, Pe It's one of the books that Jordan Peterson recommends everybody to read. It's actually a standard book in russia like every i think you have to read it when you go through grade school really yeah it's important man this is this is if not the single piece of information like the one of or the biggest exposers of the gulag system and what actually was going on in the soviet union he won a nobel peace prize for this Time Magazine called it the the best nonfiction book of the 20th century. He, the author, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he's kind of like the way that I've thought of it, the way that I've heard him perceived in like Russia and, and kind of like the Eastern Europe part of the world. Mm -hmm. He's like Eastern Europe's Gandhi. 
Really? Yeah, bro. No, he. It's insane. I really. But I. But be forewarned, because like you're gonna go on a fucking spiritual journey, man. You're gonna go on a on an intense spiritual journey. I bookmarked the whole chapter where he's basically talking about like he's a huge. He. I don't think he ever labeled himself as one, but he's a he's a major existentialist, and like there's a whole chapter, man. Where it's just, it's, I'm getting like really like, I'm getting like kind of like emotional right now talking about it because I'm like revisiting it. It's in, it's a trip. It's a trip. And, and this book, man, like it will go to tie it back into what you're saying. When I, when I, what do you call them? What are, what are they called? Turfs? Turfs, trans exclusionary radical feminists. Dude, you, you said it. Like it's all these different stories or what they'll, you know, come like, you know, call out about like, you know how you just said like how wild it gets, mm-hmm. how like it almost seems like like this. This has to be a joke, but no, it's not a joke. Right. Some of these stories, some of these stories in here that you'll hear from not just Russia, man, like, you know, you could re- again read about fucking China, Korea, whatever information there is out there. Um, dude, it. You can't believe some of these stories. And I think that's the key difference between what happened on the right side of philosophy and politics and the left side. The left side, and I've said this to you before, and I always, this is what my hypothesis is, is it's, they've got better justification, man. Because their pathology is rooted in compassion. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, who can argue with that, dude? Like, of course we all want to be compassionate and empathetic, but what happened in these countries proves to us that there's still a pathological nature to that. It's a lot easier to understand, like, oh, someone thinks that they're they're quote-unquote racially because, I say quote-unquote because biologically there's no such thing as race. Yeah. We're all the same race quote-unquote we're racially superior than another person we're either going to kill them or or just severely brutalize them or you know oppress yeah that word is so overly used but i i can't help but use it because that's the term right but that's way more uh, that's that's maybe that's easier to comprehend on some level although i still think that it gets misinterpreted because it's like it's almost like there's a thought like only white people are capable of that it's like nah man you read about some of these other countries it's like that's that's one of the things that if i could tie it back to like russia it's like well before the soviet union they had serfdom which all those people that's that's slavery dude like you can talk you can debate about the the differences between like u.s slavery and like serfdom and there were some differences but at the base they were both property and so anyways the funny thing about that about everything bad that happened in russia because serfdom was not that good it's like that happened serfdom happened after um uh the con family the Khan dynasty was the golden horde removed exactly after after russia finally overcame them and became independent they basically enslaved themselves 
They basically, it was like Moscow because they were kind of city-state tribes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Moscow was the most wealthy um, that came out because uh, under the... Random interjection. Were they Christian during this time? Yeah. No, they've been... They were Ether Orthodox. They were, they held orthodoxy the whole time. Um, I'm trying to get the timeline correct. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy that they held it that long. And then, so this is also why similar to like maybe Catholicism with like colonialization, stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. some of the bad stuff that happened to it. It's like, oh, you guys did these bad stuff. But then there was like a, like a call to keeping the faith in, in the religion. Right. It's like, well, (laughs) in Russia, they fucking enslaved their own people was just like, all right, this is how we're gonna make our money, basically, and make our, or we'll make our our resources, our mm-hmm. crops and stuff, right? So they surf, they created serfdom through themselves, right, through their own people, and there was a the the church <clears throat> always maintained like keep faith in the orthodoxy, right? Mm-hmm. And so, well, that was the main uh, argument of most of the intellectuals in the schools at the turn of the twentieth century, and then turn to Marxism and yeah, we're going to fight for the people and it's going to be for the people and we're going to deal with the oppressed with the privileged. You could, you could equate it to. And then what happened? The oppressors, the oppressed became the oppressors. And then it was like a vicious cycle. Everybody just, it just degenerated from there. And then that's when like the games of, what type of class of oppression do you fit under? And I'm going to imprison you for that. And it was like an endless cycle, man. It was, it was, it was fucking ridiculous. The big joke. That's harder to comprehend. You kind of get what I'm saying? No, no, I 100%. Like it's I've... fucking complicated. I just spent what, like, just about twenty minutes. Not saying that you can't like. Not saying that Nazi Germany or you know transatlantic stra- slave trade or something like that doesn't deserve that amount of time but like that's me touching the tip of the iceberg and this is like stuff that if anybody's out here listening to this and doesn't is this is new to them it's like yeah man no go figure not saying that we could teach everything in schools but it's like this might be worth it yeah i think that would have been a better book than where the red fern grows (laughs) i don't know it's kind of intense man i'm telling you it is a spiritual journey but i've I'm almost finished with it, and um, I'm going to have to reread it again because, like I said, I, the time that I reread it, I might take a break, and then I'll go out back and reread it and take notes on things and really dive into it. But again, this is just the fucking abridged version. At some point in my life, I'm going to get – there's three volumes. I think they all add up to like 1,500 pages Jesus. or something like that in fine print. Imagine this, dude. This guy, he fucking – Basically, they couldn't. He couldn't write this out because he was in the gulag prisons for like, I think, fifteen years, maybe ten years in gulag, the the archipelago system, and then I think like another ten years or something like that in exile in Siberia. And during this time, his story is fucking crazy. But I just want to mention this: he got fucking like cancer in the camp. Right. So he has like just this crazy shit circumstance that he was given to. But anyways, he 
went through this spiritual journey in there and he all of this is through memory Jeez. he fucking literally like just still alive or he passed he passed away a little, like a little while ago a couple years ago no like i think did he see 2000 i think he saw 2000 anyways he is he's a trip man and he he it was all through memory cuz they couldn't write this stuff down in the prison otherwise he would have yeah gotten maybe Banana another 25 years yeah. or something like that you know why well, I, I was always under the impression that gulags were not uh that there wasn't like a length of time set out for your sentence oh no there were different different lengths of times during the during like the main there are a couple of main periods of time a lot of people know about like uh uh, the f- most famous years, I think, are, I believe, are from, I want to say it's 37 to 39. Might have been 33. I forget. In There's the some, 30s. Like, timelines for it was, it was like right before World War. Concentration camps, too. Yeah, no, those, that's one of the, one I, that's what I'm trying to say. It's actually one of the most uh, popular. Oh, you mean for. For Germany, yeah, Germany oh, yeah. started in I think twenty nine was the Ironic, opening of the first right? one. Ironic, yeah. Well, it's a weird parallel. It, it is. It's almost as if the world was under a certain set of stresses that brought a lot of different people to the same conclusion. A hundred percent, dude. World War One. Yeah, and even before that, <clears throat> this is what a lot of, um, funny enough, German and Russian philosophers were talking about. Well, obviously, because they were living in the in the end of the 19th century, and so they were what they were seeing, and you can read about this. What was happening in mostly Europe, but it was like you know a spiritual crisis amongst the people. This is where it all lines up with the advancement in science, the advancement in different um, um, intellectual practices, um, people's intellect and rational minds were getting the best of them and started there was a move away from religion and it was friedrich nietzsche the german philosopher who is famously quoted as saying that um uh about the death of god and that's what was happening at that time and there were other russian writers such as dostoevsky who basically dostoevsky basically prophesized what was going to be the pitfall of Marxist socialism before it was even conceived, conceived, bro. Isn't that crazy? What's wild to me is having the amount of foresight and intelligence to predict something that hasn't even happened. Right. You probably won't even see for yourself. Dude, that's, that's the trip of, 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 but they could see it happening because they were living within the world and yeah uh you know someone like Dostoevsky if you are somewhat familiar with him he's the guy that um he's the writer that has had the famous story crazy story he was um put into a czarist prison and they basically took him out and I forget if it was, I think it was just by chance. They took him out to be executed by by a gun. Firing squad. By yeah. a firing squad, dude. And they drew blanks 
All of them? Yeah, dude. Or I forget if it was like, I don't know the details, but basically like... There's that a mechanical was his, misfire. Yeah, and that was his near-death experience. And he literally developed epilepsy because of that, because of the fucking stress from that. Can yeah. you imagine, dude? No, I, I can't. I've heard quite a yeah. few stories no. of people uh, developing schizophrenia right. from right. No, you can. It's purely from the stress. Yeah. But because of that, that's actually part of the reason. I think he is quoted as talking about this. And then there's a lot of other people who have analyzed it. This is why they think he was actually as brilliant as he was is because he would have these epileptic episodes and when he would have them, it was what would basically happen is like he would go through like epiphanies, right? And right when he was about to hit, I always for myself equate it to like, you know, when you have like points in your life where you you just hit like clarity about something, the light bulb yeah. concept, right when he was about to have that, he would have an epileptic attack. And that's where his brilliance would come from. And it wouldn't just be a moment of clarity, it would be a moment of brilliance yeah and, like the, but it was basically but it was basically his epilepsy that was giving him that isn't that insane i could that's an interesting that's theory. fucking crazy man i don't know like how scientifically accurate it is because there's uh, when when you're like you know you when you're epileptic there's a lot of electrical activity in your brain so there's going to be a lot of communication between the right side and the left side but over a prolonged ex- like a prolonged uh, period of time, epilepsy does damage the brain quite a bit and kills off a lot yeah, of cells. No, 100%. So the lights start to go out. Do you know when he died? I don't. Or like at what age he died? I don't. Damn. That would be good to know. Yeah. Next time we'll talk about it. That would be such a brilliant uh, a justification or reasoning on like, yeah, see, told you, God is real. <laughs> Look at this man. Yeah. Saved a gunpoint oh, and man. a genius. Boom. Yeah. I don't know. Would you man. like to hear about the word of Christ? Yeah. That, that's that's a good But that's point. that's kind of like, you know, uh see this is the thing is that I'm gonna try to tie this in as best as I can. So he got a lot of his insight and brilliance from from a, from that suffering in his life and and also seeing the suffering around him in his in his society and you know what dude you see a lot of people we talk we've talked me and you've talked about we always talk about this people that suffer and go through these types of things it's like that's where you gain fucking wisdom man that is the precipice of the if you get yourself out of it yeah like we touched on earlier if yeah. you can hit the point of darkness and nihilism and then escape from that through finding the necessary information from that pit because that's what it is, right? When you're in a pit of unknown, you know, that's basically what it is, you know, like when you get fucking cheated on or 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 you get a divorce or, you know, whatever, like you, even you just thought you were going to die at gunpoint and then they turned out to be blanks it's like you're in a pit of despair you're in the unknown you don't know what the fuck just happened to you how do you pull yourself out of there from finding the information that presents itself in whatever lesson that is i'm 
very hesitant to say everything happens for a reason, but you yeah. can you can very easily spin quite a few tragedies as character building episodes. Yeah. Well, that's let's say ment- let's say it's like a mental trick. A mental hardening. Yeah, it's maybe not like mental tempering. Maybe in terms of this is the difference. This is maybe where you have to separate the rational mind from the, the existential. The yeah. Spiritual. Um, you know, rationally, yeah, of course, you know, things just fucking happen, man. Like Mother Nature, just our natural world is unforgiving, unpredictable, has natural suffering in it. But uh, um, yeah, that's the mental trick that there is a lesson within everything. That's why. That's why I think there's the people that'll say everything happens for a reason maybe that's another way of interpreting it it's like there's a lesson in everything well i i think it's also because there's like literally inherently a lesson behind everything because everything that happens has a cause a lot of people look to the effect as to what they need to learn from but oftentimes you gotta look at the cause like you know why was there a tsunami it's pointless to like look at all the destruction after tsunami happens and says yep that's what happens after a tsunami what you got to do is figure out what triggers a tsunami like what should we look for like what what do we need to prepare for like yeah you could raise a water wall and try to put breakers out a couple miles into the ocean so that the tsunami doesn't kill everybody but at the end of the day it is the cause not the effect that you need to learn from so I'm completely fine saying everything happens for a reason because all causes can be understood. But a lot of people get wrapped up in the effects. And that's where a lot of the potency of like moral lessons kind of loses itself. If I, you know, if I punch my bully or somebody I really don't like. Yeah. If I just absolutely like rock their shit. The effect is I'm going to get in trouble for rocking their shit. What was the cause? Why was I getting bullied? Do I need to change something? Were they rightfully bullying me? Like, was did I really stink? And they just told me every day, like, bro, my, you're assaulting my nose. And finally I broke and I punched him. And then I'm the bad guy. See, dude. Because I stink and I'm punching people. And that's such a hard thing to fucking... That's... To do that, you have to let go of your fucking ego, man. And that's nigh impossible for quite a few people. Dude, it's... Well, it's hard, man. Nobody likes to hurt their ego like that. No. And Nobody does. The, the you're people, bullshitting yourself if you if you say that you're like, oh man, I don't have an ego. It's like, no, dude. Nobody likes that shit. The people that don't need to defeat their ego oftentimes find out later in life that they do have some form of like autism or Asperger's or something, and they're like, you know, actually, I am kind of weird. Oh man, I found that out the other day. I had a friend that I got into a lot of arguments with them in. Um, like freshman, sophomore year English and high school and stuff. And I was always talking about like, you know, the suffering of humanity and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, like humankind suffers all the time and we have to, you know, take a step back. And he's like, I would never cause suffering ever. I could not imagine myself causing suffering. And I was like, in like a monotone voice yeah, and everything. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, yeah, buddy, yes, you can like, obviously. And then like, uh, what, when's autism month? April. I yeah. think, yeah, uh, in April they posted something like, hey guys, you know, I've been diagnosed and everything. And I was like, oh, shit. Damn. I was literally arguing with somebody who was incapable of understanding what I was talking about because, like, they couldn't apply it to themselves. They're like, no, like, you don't have to hurt people. There's quite a few reasons why somebody that isn't driven by greed and ego 
would not participate in such evil. Uh, anyways, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just, it's just crazy that, uh, these depths aren't, aren't discussed, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. But, uh, part of it is, is losing the, is that, is losing that ego or not losing it, let it, letting it be kicked around a little bit and then learning from it, you know? It's there for a reason, but it controls far too much of our daily lives. Yeah. Because confidence and self-worth is essential to survival, and you get that from your ego, but there's quite a bit of narcissism that is detrimental to your survival that masks itself as confidence and such. Like, I know quite a few people, especially like people in the food service industry, that will start a job and think they're hot shit. Like I, I see it all the time, like at work. You know, you'll you'll get somebody that's new and doesn't know the ropes and they're like, Yeah, this is as easy as I thought it was gonna be. Obviously I rock at this. They haven't, you know, explored the nuances. There's also a reason why there's an entire culture of people dedicated to treating servers like they're gods, because they understand that like, yeah, it kinda sucks sometimes. And there's too much narcissism in this quickness to prove everybody wrong and to, you know, be the, the first one to, I don't know, prove yourself to your community or whatever. If you, if people weren't so concerned about, you know, their own self image, or if they realized how little they mean to other people, I don't think there, there'd be as much evil. There's like, I, well, that is a very self-evident and obvious truth, but let me like jump into it a bit deeper. There's quite a bit of, uh, people that don't have any self-confidence at all and they hate themselves and they're very insecure and they're very self-aware of everything that's wrong with them. And those people need to turn down the self-awareness because it's like, yeah, dude, like obviously everybody fucking looks at you like or you they exist. Need to do something about it. Cause oftentimes yeah. those people aren't doing anything about it. No, they're, they're just, just dwelling aware. on it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm which I totally that. relate with. Yeah. I, I probably I be... myself all the time. I'm more of a dweller than an overcomer. Yeah, that's probably where we relate, man. Yeah. That's how definitely. I was on as a teenager. Us intellectuals. So I, intellectuals. No, no, I relate to that. But yeah. you're just dwelling on it. You're not. But the 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 treatment to that is doing something about it and yeah. realizing yeah. that you mean nothing to quite a few people. You <laughs> mean Fuck, that's absolute. so dark. <laughs> no, but it's the truth. I mean, you like I literally cannot remember the single face of a single person that I passed by on the street today. And we passed by quite a few people getting ice cream. I can remember what they were wearing and everything. But if you asked me to like, you know, really think hard about the minute details about their face, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. And I wouldn't be able to tell you if they were attractive or unattractive. I'd remember what I felt at the time. But if they were to step into this room, I'd be like, oh, you are more attractive than I remember. Because you really, you don't mean that much. People don't record that much information about, like, strangers and stuff. They're just like, oh, yeah, that's a skinny dude. Like, oh, yeah, that's a really obese male in a shopping cart. Interesting. I don't want to discount what you're saying because mm -hmm. I do relate. But I also kind of pay attention to strangers maybe a little bit more. You and I are weird like that. I, I, really, I really don't find a lot of people watchers in the world. There's quite a few more people that I've interacted with that have no idea where they are in terms of social cues and awareness. And they don't know like the volume of their voice in a restaurant and stuff like that. 
and they like don't remember their server's name or even where they went out to eat. There's quite a few people. I'm bad with names though. That's one thing. I'm Same. very good with faces. Same. Very good with faces. Yeah. No, I'm terrible at names. I have to repeat your name a couple times in front of you and assign a color to it before I can really make it stick. You with your colors. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, if if people were more aware that they mean nothing to the general populace, I think they'd be less uh less eager to please the general populace because as soon like just putting it in more relatable stuff as soon as i find out that a girl or a manager that i'm talking to or somebody really doesn't hold me in high regard i immediately stop trying because i'm like well you're never going to hold me in high regard or at least not for a long enough period of time so i'm wasting my time here in most cases i would say that it's like in most cases people don't hold you to that certain amount of uh regard you said mm. um until you actually earn it yeah i don't mean that like oh you're a piece of shit i mean it like that that just plays back into the mental trick like we were just saying earlier there's always something to work on yeah. always humble yourself with something always try to learn from something you have to be willing you, to be the fool you will never You'll have to be willing to be the fool. I love that. You will never be satisfied with just arriving. Yeah. You know? Because we're not, we're not accustomed to that as human beings, man. Again, this level of comfort, this level of uh, accessibility, this level of, like, man, people just, like, you know, achieves, can achieve something so easily, right? And then they're cool with that. It's like, we're not used to that. <laughs> Not at all. No. And I'm not trying to say that I'm the perfect person to that. I'm saying what I'm trying to say is a bullshitter knows a bullshitter. I've been there. I understand that. I think that's why we're such good friends. 100%, man. But just, yeah, you have to, you have to fucking attack your ego, man. Always attack your ego. Like yeah. this morning... Uh, I went to the gym and this is one of the beautiful things about like, uh, like physical activities like sports or working out, you know, is that a lot of times, man, not only are you like really kind of like if you're actually going, pushing yourself, right. You're beating your, your body up. Right. But sometimes you'll fail like this morning. Uh, I've been trying to build muscle now. I'm going to try to build muscle for like the next couple of or not couple actually i'm gonna try to build muscle for maybe the next six months or something like that yeah. and i'm a hard gainer and uh so i was doing weighted chin-ups mm -hmm. and sometimes man you lose strength or it it maybe you don't the the complication is like so i was doing weighted chin-ups and i fell short of a rep mm -hmm. but i had been like trying to progress on them for a little while and you know when you do that it's like fuck man why am i why am i fucking up my ego got attacked yeah but there's something to learn from that maybe i just need to switch up the exercise because nobody can just continually progressively overload and like if nobody can just continually progressively overload month after month after month otherwise you know Anybody could be the strongest human in the world, right? Yeah. But I could do a hundred push ups a night. Yeah, so there's 
destroy people. True. So there's complications to it, like, for example, your nervous system. Muscle memory. Yeah. So I the way I figure it is, actually, I've been doing this exercise for a little while. My nervous system is probably not only accustomed to it, but probably just a little bit worn out from mm-hmm. trying to push myself from that. So find another exercise that you can start start have a start a base with and then build up. And then once I hit another plateau with that, go back to this exercise. Have you done weighted uh, tricep dips? Ooh, that's actually one of the exercises that I'm probably going to switch to. Yeah, that's so one of my favorite alternatives to, to the pull-up bar because it's a pushing motion, but you're still increasing your grip strength and it works out your shoulders pretty well. Yeah, but I'm doing the uh, the pull-ups for back, for lats. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So are you doing overhand or underhand? Underhand, because okay. they're chin-ups. So, oh, okay, so you're doing chin-ups, not yeah. pull-ups? Yeah, chin-ups. You're doing, wait, you're doing chin-ups for your back? Yeah. Well, your lats. Oh, gotcha. Your lats. Lats are your back. Your wingsuit. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, of course. That's a really good one. The The reason why I do chin-ups is because they're weighted, so it's a little bit easier. I also could switch to just doing weighted pull-ups, but I think I'm going to take a break from the weights. I'm going to do sternum pull-ups. Anyways, what I was... Interesting. Going back into doing a time, we always we always do this. Digress, We're gonna smack man. each other's ass on the way out. Whoa, yeah, get okay. the gains. Okay, a little protein powder. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so but that's the thing is that that's the beauty of like physical activities, man. Is that you can get broken down physically, and then like you know your ego will get attacked. Like when you lose a when you lose a game in in baseball or whatever competitive sport, man. It's like, yeah. It's good to be knocked down so then you can p- learn to pick yourself back up again. Very much That's so. it right there. It's good to get knocked down so you can learn to pick yourself back up again because it's going to fucking happen. And you'll get stronger each and every time. Yeah. That's why uh, why skateboarders really don't oh, get man. injured very often in the rest of their life after they after they blow out their knees skateboarders are beautiful man and i'm a little bit biased saying that because i used to skate and i still love skating they're some of the most beautiful human beings you'll ever meet number Mm -hmm. one because they are just so unique they all embrace like they have a they have a good like they like having a community type of environment but each and every one embraces like a level of individualism that's just amazing. And not only that, they're, they're, they're some of the toughest sons of bitches I've ever met, man. Because oh, yeah. they're literally hurling themselves. Some, well, especially nowadays, just they're getting crazier and crazier with some of the stuff that they're doing. They're hurling themselves off of like two stories, two story tall, you know, type of obstacles or maybe even buildings. At least a 20 foot drop. Yeah, exactly. No padding these or- drops or they're doing like these intense handrails or, or, crazy ramps and they they'll fucking literally break themselves and keep picking themselves back up and then when you see them finally like nail the trick it's like oh it's the greatest rush and then it's like on to the next thing and it's like that's beautiful because that's life man yeah you work so hard you get beat up all the time trying to work for something and then it's all for just that that short moment just that short moment and then it's on to the next thing but for some people, the mental trick is, yeah, I like working towards achieving a goal, but it's the process that I really love. 
that's the that's some people some mental trick a very that people do a very difficult mental trick to understand if you don't have it or haven't experienced exactly it. because when you talk to somebody completely unfamiliar with like you know working out or doing it and like wait so you tell me you like willingly starving yourself for eight hours so that you can uh, intermittently fast and get bigger like later on in the day are you joking like that sounds like torture every day it's like yeah it is i well, do that yeah, that's why i bring it up <laughs> because it's like it from a it sounds crazy yeah and it, there's literally no intuitive benefit that comes from it. Like, nobody's thinking like, yep, put on more muscle by not eating. That's that's real fucking smart. And here you are, a fucking, like, specimen. It's very difficult to convince somebody of, like, something that is not intuitive because you're hurting their ego. You're like, really? You think I couldn't figure that out on my own? It's the uh, it's caveman brain, as my old physics professor used to put it. Or not, he was my lab TA, but he was a fantastic person. He would essentially yell at us all the time. Every day we'd walk into class before he'd say anything. He's like, I need you fuckers to turn off your caveman brain because there's nothing intuitive about today's lesson. And he was right every time. I mean, there's so much in physics that is so unintuitive. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like magnetic currents like going up and down out of wires instead of through the wires and, and stuff you're just like constant that. that's just constant so you're constantly yeah, i'm constantly rewiring my brain you're constantly in a state of unknown and that's what i love that's about uncomfortable it. yeah that is oh, uncomfortable trust me i know because when you come into something even with a prior understanding of it like i knew about the conservation of momentum i took ap physics i knew that you know uh, acceleration uh is not just you know really fast velocity and i could tell all these differences and then you know there's always another level of understanding that the person above you has because they wouldn't be above you if they didn't have that understanding and you're like man i've really been a dumbass this entire time one of my favorite things uh there's this little problem uh in physics you have to do this thing called a free body diagram and that's essentially where you look at an object and you're asked to analyze all the forces acting on that object. So if you're sitting down on a chair, the chair's pushing back up on you. That's why you're not going through it. Gravity's pulling you down. And if I were to punch you, like you'd have the force of my fist for a short time. And my fist would have the force of your chest, which is the reason that you know you can break knuckles when you throw a punch. There was this uh, really hard problem that our, our teacher said it took him three months to figure out. And it was presented very, very easily. And it was basically, you have a helicopter flying forward. There's a rope dangling from the helicopter. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing attached to the end of the rope. And the rope is uh, moving like you know, forward with the helicopter, but swinging backwards because of the air pressure. And like, you know, the, the wind, the drag of the wind. Um, draw free body diagram of the helicopter, including the rope. And that is a difficult thing to do. But for all the wrong reasons, because you are taught from the very beginning of physics that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. Fucking duh. And for the life of us, nobody could figure out why the rope wasn't flying off behind the helicopter because the only force that it seemed to have acting on it was the air pushing it. There was nothing keeping it attached to the helicopter besides the joint, but that shouldn't have given it uh, an X component. It should have just given it a Y component. And then they're like, well, add some weight. 
See what happens when you add 100 kilograms to it, and now it's not flying behind the helicopter like a trail. It's hanging below it. What force is there that that keeps that weight there down there at the bottom and not like you know flying up into the jet of the helicopter? And we couldn't figure that out either. We were like, well, gravity's pulling it down, but there's no component that like pushes the x value forward. And at the end of it, everybody was like, what's the fucking value? Like, what's the component? It turns out there wasn't one. There is no, because it was a problem based around tension. The rope was uh, was a model of tension. And anybody that knows physics knows that tension is obviously and arguably the hardest form of Newtonian physics. Because there is no model for it. You know, with circular motion, you get equations involving pi. With, uh, with acceleration, you can start squaring things. For jerk, you can start cubing things. But tension, you have to take each individual system and design a model around it. And that was what he was trying to tell us. He was like, the equal and opposite action and reaction that was happening here is the tension force. And nobody here identified the tension force in the rope that was keeping the rope from flying behind the helicopter and instead keeping it under. Because there was a constant, you know, reverberation and spring force. It, it, it gets more more complicated. Yeah, you're losing me. Yeah, I, I can tell. <laughs> in your eyes. And I'm not explaining it very, very well either. There's no, it's okay. I'm ways. trying to follow along, man. It's insane. But we, we were presented with that. And once we realized that that day's lab was based on tension, everybody groaned. Because it's historically like the hardest, you know, regular physical Newtonian mechanic. When you get into the quantum stuff and, you know, electricity and magnetism, obviously there's far more confusing and non-intuitive concepts. But tension seems it would be because there's a bunch of stretchy shit all around us. Your clothes, springs, like hanging stuff from a ceiling. It's just like, yeah, obviously that's tension. But it's so much harder than that when you're designing intelligent systems. And that was, I think, like the biggest pitfall of my ego when it came to math because i was so convinced i was like yeah obviously the fucking rope hangs under the the helicopter but no it was not that easy and it definitely it knocked me down like more than one block and i just kind of sat there and listened for the rest of the class damn that's that's one of my my big things that just sticks out to me it wasn't like you know super humiliating or anything um it just, it was such a simple concept. It was like telling somebody one plus one equals three and just blowing their minds like, holy shit. Yeah, I guess it does, huh? But um, the ego's influence in both physical and non-physical things is uh, understated in today's world. And I think it, you know, like we said earlier, accounts for a lot of the injustice. Yeah, 100%. Well. I think exit ending note. Yeah, man. I think that's the great ending note. The That's that's like the key thing that me and you always come back to is just individualism, man. It's like I always respect, I always respect individuals. I, I always respect people. I was thinking about this today. I always respect the people or tend to become closest friends with the people who, like, if it's just me and them, we can get to know each other, like, one-on-one as opposed to getting to know each other in the group setting, you know? Which is oftentimes far less genuine. 
Yeah, man. It's and difficult to get to know who somebody is in a group. Yeah, but it's it's more comfortable and easier to at the same time. So that's right. the point is like it's really really uncomfortable to get to try and get to know somebody one-on-one. M- most importantly because each person has to like contribute. Yeah, f- figuratively like reach their hand out, right? Yeah. To the other person and like just be like extend the olive branch. Exactly. And uh a lot of that just comes with like being able to like think and act for yourself yeah and uh that's where we come together yeah that's where we come together man this is great this is a good one i um i'm very happy that we worked at all the kinks from last time yeah me too weekly thing most definitely back next wednesday good enough Jacob Weber, Nikolai Gednov, signing off to all my free thinkers out there. <laughs>